0: This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by our new podcast periodical, Keeping It Light and Gay. Do you mix freely with people? If you love gossip, tidbits, and a veritable who's who, subscribe today.
1: Mr. Brandon, are you free?
0: Uh, I'm free! I'm Dongsu.
1: And in Havana. Sorry. Get your dance. Pop 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 I'm you being served
0: ding hello unanimous hello mr jeffrey hello unanimous hello gladys
1: hello gladys hello mr brandon how are you doing this evening Uh, i'm very good i'm very good um getting into season
0: eight with mixed mixed thoughts from people yeah that's fine that's the 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 democracy we live in for the moment (laughs) (laughs) how are you doing
1: doing okay um I got my second shot last week um, of the COVID vaccine, and it did kind of drag me under for about 48 hours. Um, Just really sore, really achy, really tired. True. Um, No other flu-like symptoms, but I was just kind of out of it for two days, and then it went away, and I'm counting the days until I am fully inoculated. Yeah,
0: it's and you know we're very lucky in the states here because we do have vaccines. Our jaxies are well and very full of JAXI. Wait, no, our JAXIs are very. <laughs> damn, I was going to been so clever. Our jaxies are very full and well of uh, vaccines, but um, you know, not not necessarily the case around the con- around the world. So you know, no, we're you very know, lucky in, in the states.
1: Yeah, I was speaking with some colleagues in Europe uh, earlier this week and they don't think it's going to be any earlier than July until they get theirs because yeah. um, they just, it, it's a mixture of the countries haven't done a great job with the um, logistics of the rollout of actually getting vaccines into arms. yeah The United States bought a lot of the stock of the first vaccines that were available yeah, it's it's going to be a world it's going to be a while before this is worldwide resolved, but things are looking up at least here stateside for a bit.
0: Yeah, so you know, if you can have the opportunity to get a vaccine, go and do your duty and get it. Luckily, I've been hearing in the news that there's some really inexpensive um research vaccines that are out there that are being tested in Brazil and Mexico. So hopefully the folks who um don't live in countries where they can spend couple trillion on vaccines, um, can get vaccinated too. So we, we want everyone's Jaxi to be full of vaccine. <laughs> and we've been hearing uh, from folks in the unanimous world, uh, the, the listenership, that they too have been getting vaccine vaccines. So thanks for filling in the missing data points in our official podcast, Vaccine Tracker here in our northern mississippi compound where it goes directly
1: to johns hopkins just in case you didn't know everyone who likes our podcast (laughs) is automatically assumed to get a vaccine and that numbers goes directly into joe biden's laptop
0: yes we are very connected (laughs) here in northern mississippi uh, but other than that we have been hearing from our lovely fans have we not Mr Jeffrey
1: Indeed indeed we have Mr Brandon indeed we have we've have been hearing from everybody we've been hearing from some new fans on Facebook Patricia Ian Karen Sean Emma Gareth Kim and Ron Kakuma's <gasps> favorite drag queen Tony Homeperm
0: Tony Homeperm hello i've heard of Tony Pomperm and when i saw that she liked our facebook page I nearly flipped my wig, but that's her job.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank
0: you. Um, So go find her on Facebook. It's Tony T-O-N-I, last name Home Perm, just like you think. And um, she's cool. She's kind of a local drag queen who loves our being served and the podcast. So hello, Ms. Home Perm. Uh, She also does some cool shows on her website, uh, on, on her Facebook page. So find all of that on her Facebook page. So there we go.
1: Tony, if you make it onto RuPaul's Drag Race Season 14, like every drag queen who is a fan of ours or a guest of ours, you have to promise that you will do Mrs. Slocum for the Snatch Game.
0: Yes, we've already heard that promise from Dean Acquirei in uh, Melbourne, Australia. So we're just like, if we need to tell every drag performer we know. <laughs> so by the time someone finally gets there, we'll, we'll, we'll have some good quality TV. <laughs> right.
1: We also heard from Alvin (laughs) on Facebook, who had a question about a Series 6 episode by appointment. Um, Hmm. Miss Brahms tries to um, imitate a posh lady, you know. Oh, we've got roundabout 40 pounds in bra and that. And the posh lady insults her, right? How dare
0: you try to imitate me?
1: She calls Miss Brahms a cheeky little bounder. And a bounder is someone who tries to be a social climber. She she understands that Miss Brahms is from Docklands and thinks she's imitating her to try and make herself better than she is. So
0: yeah, and I'm trying to think like what did Alvin think that she said? I mean, how 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 many of us have not been in the situation where we think we know what they said, but it just cuz of their accent and all this she he's he thought it was chicken Ch- philadelphia
1: Ch- chicken filler <laughs>
0: chicken filled i don't know it sounds like a good drag queen name if you maybe yeah. he alvin can connect with tony who knows but uh, happy to help you out there mr alvin
1: we've also heard on twitter from superfan jeff with a g who is was vying for a key to the executive washroom. And yes, we can confirm that he has reached status of superfan. Superfan. So and you know what? J.
0: It's really kind of like the Tinkerbell uh, uh, g- phenomenon. You just have to believe
1: people. <laughs>
0: just believe you're a superfan and you
1: are. You've you all done are. very well. Yes. <laughs> um, we also got an email from the original superfan, Jeff Y., telling mm-hmm. us to watch out for more crossover characters from LOLO in the coming three seasons.
0: Ah, yeah. l- nice little spoiler there, Other Jeff. Thank you very yeah. much. And we also heard from our, our roving correspondent, Kim, in Houston, Texas, did we not?
1: We did indeed, Mr. Brandon, and she asked us to ask the unanimous to remind you, uh, those of you that are in the States, to please contact your congresspeople and encourage them to pass the For the People Act. And what that's going to do is undo a lot of the gerrymandering that has gone on uh, throughout the country and also secure voter rights.
0: It's a good thing to be able to vote in a country that you would think would be very easy to, but it's becoming more and more difficult. But uh, yeah, so thank you for the for the uh, idea there, Kim. And uh, what else do we always like to say, Mr. Jeff, after every podcast?
1: You've all done. Oh no, wait! Not yet, too early for that. <laughs> Wear a mask, wash your hands, and always black. Black lives, lives
0: matter. matter, and you've all done very well as well. <laughs> so take us back, Mr. Jeff. So last time uh, we were in 1981. Are we still in that year?
1: We're still in 1981. Uh, tonight we're talking about Series Eight, Episode Three, Front Page Story. And this originally premiered on April 23rd, 1981. And that week in the news, William Finn's musical March of the Falsettos premiered in New York City. And this was the second of a trilogy of shows that would become the musical Falsettos, uh, which won the Tony for Best Book and Best Original Score in 1992. And so, falsettos is um, a sung through musical. So, it's three hours of just singing, like Lane is, think of that, right? And it's a story about uh, someone who comes out later in life and how he learns to navigate the world within Jewish cultural norms, among the AIDS epidemic, and finding satisfaction outside of heteronormativity. Um, hmm. This is pretty well known, I think, within the gay community. Uh, this is. Um, still in the era when major entertainment revol- that had um, queer characters revolved around AIDS, uh, but it is uh, a very heartwarming story about how he finds uh, new connections to his previous family um, after coming out. Uh, spoiler alert, his ex-wife and his son. Yeah, my good friend John
0: told me all about the falsettos and I've not actually seen it. So that's something I need to see. I do know that there is a really interesting autobiography coming out that the AIDS pioneer and founder of ACT UP. You've heard of Mm. ACT UP, right? Yeah. Um, Peter Staley. If you've ever seen images of um, AIDS activists like putting a condom on some bigot Republican's house or st- shutting down St. Patrick's Cathedral. Like, Peter Staley's, like, in the middle of it.
1: Right. you know ju- That was a major scene in post Season 2. Exactly. Where they, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was really cool to see them portray that. So anyway, Peter Staley, um, really cool guy. Um, he's just produced a new book all about him forming ACT UP and his activism uh, called Never Silent. So go check that out on Facebook. Or uh, what is that? What's the other one? Amazon.
1: Amazon. I was going to say Walmart.
0: That's too much. Yeah, so that's going to be a good book. I've already Walton
1: books. Walton books. Be Be Dalton booksellers.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Okay, well, that was kind of cool. What else happened that that time?
1: So uh, the mamas and the papas vocal. um, star, John Phillips was arrested for drug possession. Um, this probably could have been any week in the news. I was going to say, like, or 80s. not
0: a big, and it's almost like Paul McCartney, um, would later get arrested in Japan for the same thing.
1: Well, right? funny you mentioned Paul McCartney because also this week in the news, his, uh, rock band Wings disbanded.
0: <gasps> oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm a Beatles fan. You all know that though, don't you? <laughs> So, off we go. So, what's happening when we start the episode, Mr. Jeff?
1: Okay, so the opening credits focus on the center display unit, which is for fun wigs. So, hold on to your hats, keep that in the back of your mind. We'll revisit that a little bit later on in the episode, right? Okay. Uh, Mrs. Slocum is very nearly late. Uh, She's taking her coat off, and Captain Peacock is... Not so gently encouraging her to go faster because the customers will be rushing in any minute. And she gets right. her coat, her sleeve trapped on her chunky bracelet, right? <laughs> uh, Count Peacock enlists Mr. Spooner to help her and rips the lining. And oh, Mrs. Mrs. Silken wants to put in a claim to have the company pay for it, but the company only pays for accidents that happen within working hours and we don't open for another 21 seconds. So Captain Peacock would not approve a claim.
0: Can you imagine going into work and ripping your coat and be like, oh, it's a claim. I mean, does that that really happen? Or is that like a beautiful thing from 1981 that doesn't exist anymore? Or is it just a silly TV show?
1: I think it's something that doesn't happen in America, but happens elsewhere. Jesus Christ. If you think about most people who work, who have jobs uh, that are not office jobs anywhere else in the world, they wear a uniform. And it's not necessarily to, like, distinguish them from everyone else, but it's because they're not going to wear their own clothes in the company's time.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Wow, I never actually thought of it that way.
1: Yeah. Huh. Uh, Miss Brahms is also nearly late um, because she got a lift in a chauffeur-driven car and was molested on her way out. Captain Peacock is scandalized mm, that right. this has happened, right? And yeah. so he starts quizzing her, like, did you get a good look at him? Could you recognize him? etc.? So we'll he's ready. He's ready to go to the police. Yeah. Lift doors open. It's old Mr. Grace and he's returning Miss Brom's umbrella. So mm. he it's his chauffeur different car. And he is the one that, you know, gave her a group on the way.
0: Not out. a big shock there. I have yeah. to say.
1: And Peacock, you know, oh, says no, we don't need to report this. It was the missing umbrella, and uh, uh, uh,
0: yes, exactly. Miss,
1: Miss Brahms Broms is is rightfully upset that finally she yeah. thought she had someone on her side to yeah. stop getting harassed by the owner of the company she works for, and she she complains to Missus Slocum. It's one law for the rich and one law for the poor.
0: Yeah, that felt very twenty first century to me. Right? It
1: did. It did. You know, I think that it's just one of those ways that, again, is exposing the classicism that exists not only in Britain then, but part of it still remains today worldwide, mm-hmm. where there are one set of rules for you know, different people depending on your economic class.
0: This kind of goes back to the f- interesting thing, and I want to blanket the statement by saying um, sexual harassment and, and misogyny is horrible in every situation um that said if you compare old mr grace and young mr grace i think young mr grace is wonderful i don't like his misogyny and how he objectifies women um but if you think about i forgot who uh, it might have been heidi or someone one of our special guest hosts pointed out that when when old mr grace is like womanizing it's really creepy right when young mr grace the old the actual old actor does it it's you know of course creepy but less so it's sort of seen as cute which i'm i'm being tried to be very careful about the way i say this but this is a definite scene where old mr grace comes across as really creepy
1: yeah i mean cuz right? on the whole young mr grace never threatened to fire anybody yeah. or you know take action there was that one scene where he told, like, a secretary for the day that she was fired and she pulled that awful face for oh, a couple yeah, for a couple seconds, true. right? Yeah, yeah. But here, you know, old Mr. Grace is leaving after returning the umbrella, saying, you've all done very well, well, except for one of you. Like, singling her out in front of everybody.
0: Yeah. It, very creepy. Yeah. So I just thought of that when, when old Mr. Grace was just being, you know, a shithead to this, to, to, to Miss Brahms. You know, if it was young Mr. Grace... maybe it's the fact that his like advanced age softens it and he would have kind of like nearly fell fallen over when he said it which kind of i don't know it's 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 a weird Uh, thing there
1: you actually i think the thing is with young mr grace even though he would have the worst of intentions <laughs> I don't True. think he'd actually ever follow, be able to follow, physically follow through because he'd fall asleep. Not that <laughs> that makes it any worse or yeah, any Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, See, I don't want to know? sound
0: like we're like we're belittling the the intent, right? But yeah,
1: right. Well, mm. I mean that's a, that's a theme that that carries on for a while, right? Mrs. Slocum comes right out and says, "Well, I expect you as being provocative."
0: Exactly. I was going to say that same thing. Like right? blame blame Miss Brahms, of course, right?
1: Right. Blame the victim. You know, this is when people talk about rape culture. It's this is what they're talking about. Yeah. Right. It's not. It's not about um, asking rapists. Oh, please stop raping people. It's <laughs> about the entire societal structure that f- puts the focus on the victim avoiding it rather than the perpetrators committing it.
0: Yeah. In fact, I saw a really good Facebook. This is a deep take here. Um, <laughs> that does suit uh, rape culture, um, <laughs> I guess, podcast. That
1: does not suit patriarchy. Right, I was trying right. to think exactly. That's
0: a better way to say it. Um, there was a really cool thing on Twitter of a gay fella saying, I don't understand straight men who say, um, hey pretty women you should cover up your bodies because that makes me feel a certain kind of way about sex
1: oh I saw that thread too yeah
0: right and he's saying I'm a gay man and I see handsome straight guys that I'm physically attracted to I can control myself so I don't throw myself upon them I don't ask them to cover up well, of course men don't really you know expose their their bodies like women are are, are, are socialized to. Um, and he says like crazy double standard, like for straight women, or for, excuse me, for straight guys, they can say, oh, well, it's your fault because you're not covering up your body. Because we men, we straight men anyway, in this case, uh, we have so little self-control of ourselves that we have to have you be the barrier instead of the expectation of us controlling our own selves. And he does it. I, I wish I could explain it better. But if you're ever on Twitter, twitter.com, it's this new thing. Uh, It's a a really good thread. So anyway,
1: yeah. So Miss Brahms is 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 trying to defend herself to Missus Exactly. and she ends up pulling his uh, old Mister Grace's pocket watch and chain down her blouse. Right? He must have dropped it when he reached across to lock the door, Uh, which is horrible,
0: right? right. They've they've been joked about that in the past in the show,
1: and Miss Brahms says that she's in her right mind to keep it. And then Captain Peacock chides her. You wouldn't want people to think you're just a good time girl, would you? Uh, it's yeah. it's infuriating to watch um, that this was so common in the '70s that it was part of this kind of sitcom. Not even a B plot, but just like a bit, you know.
0: Yeah, so. and if you watch TV from this era, it's not just this TV show. You know, it's, it's not. It's, you know, we've we've got a lot way to go, a long way to go, but we have come some place from the past at least so this yeah. is clear evidence of that
1: some some we've we've made as a society we've made some changes since the early 80s but not as much as we probably should in, in 40 years
0: and you know we we almost never receive any negative comments or stuff from the unanimous and in case you want to email or tweet or whatever to us saying it was a different time and place. It was more innocent culture. Eh, no, I don't think so. I think um, women didn't feel they have a voice to speak out. I mean, exactly. even though we see Miss Brahms trying to, but look what happens. She gets shut down. So exactly. There we go.
1: So anyway, Mister Harmon has a special delivery for the gentleman's car uh, department in a crate that's marked fragile. Hmm. And of course, because the bell is already gone, Captain Peacock yells at him that he's not supposed to be on the floor. It's well, past maybe nine next o'clock. maybe next time I'll get a hot balloon to cross the floor, or I'll sta- study under Yuri Geller and levitate <laughs> uh, the crate with my mind telepathically. <laughs> this is not the first. This is not the first time we've heard about Yuri Geller on this show, right? Yeah, Wasn't there something was- else?
0: Was Yuri Geller British?
1: He was Ukrainian.
0: Right, I remember. Okay, so that makes sense. But I, yeah, you're right. They, he has been mentioned twice. Uh, I think it was Mr. Humphreys was watching Yuri Geller on the TV, and he and, felt
1: something move in his pocket, and, and it, it was his car. His, his, his front right house
0: back. key had bent yeah. over twice in, into two. Yeah, um, for, I I remember looking up who the hell is Yuri Geller, and he's like this. It wouldn't say magician, um he's like an illusionist, yes, and he was extremely popular um, I think he just was a product of the seventies and early eighties i don't I don't think yeah. he carried on, but yeah.
1: uh, so what do we have in the fragile crate?
0: Oh, my gosh, so this <laughs> is so are you being served? I love that you saved this for me um, are you being served has now turned into the Mr. Humphrey Show plus associates right <laughs> so it's mr humphrey's inside the crate um mr Harmon like p- pretends to like remove some scr- some some uh, some nails, nails or something right and of course he doesn't ever really do a big a big job about it and then suddenly mr humphrey emerges forth like a like the venus de milo and just boom he's there and he's got <laughs> like a straw in his hat and he's dressed as a sailor and yeah, there's an excuse, like, why he's dressed as a sailor, and it's sort of like, it doesn't matter, it's Mr. Humphreys. The people eat it up, uh, and it's a fabulous entrance. That's, I want to make an interest like that one day.
1: He gets a very long, very long applause <laughs> break here, right? Yeah. This is, this is not the first time we've seen Mr. Humphreys um, emerge uh, somewhere in a sailor suit. Um, the, you know, the last time that he had hitched a ride with the Navy, he came back with, um, he met a, uh, a roving reporter, a trendy string vestite, a dustbin and a vicar with a rather interesting tale to tell something like that. Right.
0: And he didn't have, and he didn't want to, to know the rest of it, or something like that.
1: something along those lines, right? So it turns out that he had gone to a Mr. Humphries had gone to a party on a British ship, and one drambuie shandy too many, and he needed to walk around. Um, drambuie, for those of you that keeping score at home, is a Scotch. For some reason, I had in my mind that it was a raspberry liqueur, um, but it's the kind of Scotch. And obviously, a shandy is beer and lemonade. Delicious. Um, after he had taken a couple of laps around the deck, he found himself in a game of strip poker, <laughs> and so As he one ended does. up he ended up losing all of his clothes. And when it was time for him to get to shore, he had to have something, so he won back uh, some sailors' clothes somehow. <laughs> somehow.
0: And, what an interesting party you must have, Mister Humphreys. And I will yeah. say, shandy. Wouldn't you agree that a shandy? is sort of like what your grandmother would drink at a party, at a wedding. Like, it's sort of like not a man's, man's kind of drink, but it's like
1: it is a right. church it's a,
0: social, social drink for a grandma.
1: Yeah, it's it's not, you know, definitely, it's definitely not like the working class man's drink. Um, yeah, which not is like in keeping ale. with his personality. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Rumbled accepts his excuse. You know, the more we get to know you, the less amazing it seems. But this is definitely better than your excuses being arrested as for being an illegal immigrant after pretending to be a coal miner in Tony Pandy. So this is a blackface joke in case you didn't put it all together.
0: Oh, my God. I didn't catch that. Oh, you're so good. Explain it. Explain it to the people and me. So
1: Tony Pandy is a mining town in Wales. And so okay. the joke is that he had been in the mines. He had coal over his face. Oh, yeah!
0: wow. Good job, Mr. Jeff. Yeah, because yeah. It, when you mine coal, you come out absolutely covered in black soot and on soot, your skin. Yeah. And see, in the, in the States, I mean, I know we have coal mining, but not like they do, especially back then in right. the UK. So, like, you'd say coal mining, and you picture workers coming out at the end of the shift covered with black all over yeah. their, fa- their face and stuff. Oh, wow. Crazy.
1: So the, so Mr. Humphreys has had to borrow a set of clothes, so Mr. Rumble needs to sign the chit. Peacock hands him a pen. Rumble signs it and puts the pen back in his own uh, shirt pocket. Mm. Hmm. So it, Peacock rolls his eyes at this. It was a very subtle thing, and if you weren't paying attention, it didn't get a big laugh break. Yeah, There wasn't any break in the action. But much like we discussed in the last episode, Rumble, right. Rumble does this. And I have remembered the word for this. It's Bogart for when you take something that is, you borrow something that isn't yours and you keep it.
0: Very nicely done.
1: So Rumbled gets on, continues on talking with Mr. Humphreys and says, you know, you, you've got a very special way about you and you've got some special qualities and management have decided to offer you a special job. It was decided at the boardroom level. They all look up.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? look up.
1: We haven't seen that. We haven't seen that gag in a while. Um, Rumble offers Mr. Humphreys a seat. So he goes in the corner, grabs a chair and sits down. And Peacock is left looking around. Uh, there's no chair for me. Well, I only asked one person to sit down. Snap. Right? So, um, they've decided that they need to have a store magazine. You know, gossip, tidbits, who's who and who's what, says Captain Peacock. (laughs) So Um, mean! Um, and they want Mr. Humphreys to be the editor. Um... There's no extra money involved, so Mister Humphreys isn't that keen on it. But there is a lot of prestige. You're going to have your name in bold type, right?
0: And he hopes that it's a lot bigger than that type that they've <laughs> kind of that imitated. Yeah,
1: imitated in the art. Right? So th- this brings up a lot. I think this, you know, this speaks to um, I think something that has reemerged in culture in the past two to three years <clears throat> with asking um, with influencers asking content creators and small businesses for freebies in lieu, in kind for promotion. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking, but people, you know, people that sell things for money generally aren't good about giving a lot of it away, right? And so it's a very similar thing where the uh, offer is usually made, oh, but it's worth a lot of exposure, You know, you'll have my name connected to it. You'll get a lot of customers. You'll get talked about. Well, I can't pay the credit card bill with exposure.
0: (laughs) It's true. I would want to comment on the podcast and our lack of sponsorship, but, (laughs) uh, you know, honestly, you know, we have a lovely listenership and we would love to have more people listen. I mean, I think anytime you write something or compose music or, or paint a photo or uh, paint a photo, paint a painting or take a, <laughs> photo, a photo. I know. Um, you do it so that other people would see it. So of course, naturally, you know, we're doing this podcast and it's a joy to do every week and edit and put out into the world and promote. But you know, it would be kind of fun for more people to, to listen to it. And if we got like, you know, a nickel, every couple months for it, that'd be cool. But we would do it, and we are doing it, um, uh, without any pay. So, you know, it is a joy to do. But if we got someone like, oh, say, BritBox
1: to... But this isn't a job. This isn't our primary job for us, right?
0: Well, I I moved to northern Mississippi (laughs) for a reason. I don't know what you're thinking about, Mr. Jeff, but I guess we know where you stand now, don't we?
1: Um, Have you ever been the editor (laughs) of a newspaper, like a school newspaper, or... Um, a blog for work or anything like that.
0: No, no, I think it'd be fun though. But I mean, now like everyone's Facebook page is sort of their own little newspaper, really. Yeah. So that's I do true. try to cultivate stuff, and I do the um, postings for the for the podcast Facebook page, and so it's well, fun that's to do true. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about you? Yeah,
1: I I I was editor of the high school newspaper. Uh, this was way back in the day where you know we were just graduating from using uh typewriters to computers. Uh and it was really just kind of fluff news. Um heavy focus on sports. Um all boys high school in New York City. Sports was half of the uh basketball of the issue. Yeah.
0: Did you not like um bring out like are you being served references and like Why are you being served to be the best TV show ever by Jeffrey? (laughs) No,
1: no, no, I did Mm -hmm. not do that. So they're trying to think of titles for the magazine. And the boardroom level people have come up with two options. What's on in the store and Mm -hmm. what's up in the store.
0: Oh, I like our title, keeping it light and gay.
1: (laughs) Um, Rumbled pushes to get himself a feature in the mag- magazine and ends up giving Humphrey's permission to be off the floor in order to interview people and take pictures, etc. Yeah. But warns him, nothing too controversial, keep it light and gay. Uh, to which Mr. Humphrey's responds, I'll keep it as light as possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cause he's a homosexual. Right.
1: Uh, in the next scene, we see that Mr. Spooner is taking a photograph of old Mr. Grace with his secretary on one knee and the nurse on the other. So we get a little bit of a physical gag here because uh, the old old Mr. Grace's feet are, oh, legs are falling asleep with the weight of the women sitting on his knee, right? What a happy um, family. Right. So this one is a little less creepy because... Both of the women are enthusiastically competing to sit on his knee. He's not forcing them to. Right, yeah. And he becomes the butt of the joke here because his legs fall asleep. So less creepy than his first appearance in this episode.
0: I mean, he wasn't, like, wielding his power, which is, you know, what makes stuff creepy. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, But Harmon bursts in, opens the door, ends up. A Bur- uh, bumping Humphreys who falls into young Mister <laughs> Old Mister Grace's lap, and that's the photo that comes out, right? Of course, that we see as a cut uh, into the canteen where they're reviewing all of the proofs of the photographs, right? And so th- they they revisit the conversation about what happened to Miss Brahms this that morning, and um, the, the the nurse and the secretary fighting over who gets to sit on Old right. Mister Grace's lap. And Mrs. Slocum says, well, you don't realize that girls only do these things for people like old Mr. Grace out of kindness and sympathy. And then Miss Browns pipes in with the truth and because he's rich.
0: True. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that Mrs. Slocum might be a little out of touch here, even for 1981. And that might have been the case that might have been her experience, perhaps in the 50s or the 60s. Yep.
0: Because that's that's when she would have been a young woman.
1: Right, uh, and that's maybe the worldview that she and maybe her friends had at the time, but mm-hmm. times change, right? Um, I, I, I doubt that the nurse and the secretary would be so eager to sit on his lap, uh, to sit on Mr. Rumble's lap, for example, if, You because know, he's not in that kind of position of power, for example, right? It's true. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Uh, Mister Spooner and Miss Brahms are bickering... There's not as much sexual tension there as there used to be between her and Mr. Lucas. But there's a a spark of it. You you get the sense that he's tried to hit on her before, right? And Mr. Humphrey starts dictating out loud. He's writing in his steno pad. Their love-hate relationship reached a new climax when she suggested payment for her favors.
0: (gasps) Oh! That's so right. So he's he, he's now exposing the fact that he can really kind of fuck up their 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 world with whatever he says.
1: Everybody's you know reputation, right? Yeah. He's bending the truth to sell. Well, I don't think these are going to even be sold. They're probably going to be distributed for free. Yeah. But in order to improve circulation, right?
0: But it's interesting if you know anything about the British tabloids. Uh, think of Princess Diana and like all of the stuff that printed about her and. Um, they're absolutely ruthless, and I think even more so now. But he he actually mentions like, well, that's what you see in the tabloids. Like they, they always exaggerate things a little bit. So,
1: you know. MP and drug craze, sex romp, shop with fash mag slack. Thank you
0: very much, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's from Absolutely Fabulous, uh, and you'll have to look that up on your own.
1: Yeah, uh, it's season two, episode one, hospital. Um, wow, and so good. Mr. Humphreys goes on to continue writing about uh, Captain Peacock's flirting with Miss Hurst and Novelty Candles resulted in him being banned from haberdashery for three months.
0: Okay, again, I know I make these crazy... (laughs) I don't know how many of our listeners are in the lovely United Kingdom, but... I always make these requests, and one day I really hope someone does it for me. Can you please go to a shop? What is the name of that shop? Wilson's? It's like a home goods store in the UK, at least in England. It's not Aldi. That's a grocery store. But it's like a home goods store where you go and buy your paint and wallpaper or whatever. B&Q? No, it's not B&Q. Anyway, um, if you go to a shop and there is a section that says novelty candles will you please take a photo of it and send it to us? Because I'm still not not convinced it's actually a real concept. (laughs) I've Googled it and I see it. It would make me very happy. So if you could please do that for me, that'd be good.
1: Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock reaches over and rips the page out of Mr. Humphrey's hands, and he's, they say, you know, you really should focus on airing grievances instead. You know, we didn't get that 600-pound bonus earlier this year that they promised us. Right. And so— uh mr Harmon comes in with a bit of gossip about miss hurst she's been kissing mr grover of bedding over at the fire exit and then the staff turn on a dime and demand that he put that in because miss hurst deserves to be exposed
0: (laughs) because now the gossip is not about them
1: (laughs) it's not about them, right (laughs) yeah all this gossip has left me parched why don't you say we head on down to the canteen for a tea break
0: well, I heard that Mr. Kyle from Memphis—he
1: was. <laughs> oh, you
0: know what? Well, I'll tell you the rest in uh, in, this, in this in the canteen. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon.
1: And this is Mr. Jeff.
0: Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous?
1: Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag. Or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington bear.
0: We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup.
1: And of course, T-shirts.
0: But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear.
1: Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch.
0: All at I'm Free. Dot threadless.com.
1: I'm free.threadless.com and, and you've, you've all, all done, done, done very
0: well. well. So anyway, uh, Alvin is also from Memphis and and Mr. Kyle is from Memphis too. Brandon. So I'm Brandon, thinking we're live.
1: There's... We're live, we're back. Oh, never
0: mind. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, we shouldn't gossip. Yes, 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 I know. it's. There's a big sign in the canteen, no gossiping allowed. But I think we just have to take our liberties every now and then, don't you think?
1: What a fucking liberty.
0: (laughs) Ah, well, that was a good tea break. What did you have?
1: Winkles. I had tea
0: (laughs) and I spilled it everywhere.
1: (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Thank you, thank you.
0: That's humor. So where were we in the Um, show, Mr. Jeffrey?
1: So we're back up on the floor, and a gentleman approaches Mrs. Slocum's counter, and he is interested in the fun wigs. Remember I told you at the beginning of the episode to pay attention to the fun wigs. I thought you were
0: talking about uh, Tony Homeperm, but I I see where you're going now.
1: (laughs) So uh, this gentleman is played by uh, Michael Charvel Martin, uh, who would go on to play Trevor the neighbor in No Place Like Home.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool.
1: Yep. Uh, and he actually comes back uh, in season 10 for the sweet smell of success. The one where Mrs. Slocum sells her homemade perfume.
0: <gasps> oh, my God. Is he the one with the um, the terrace in Kensington? No, that's that's the gay character. That's
1: that's early. That's, that's confusing.
0: Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. That's a cool episode, yeah. though.
1: So the fun wigs are on sale for 10 pounds. They're real lifelike simulated nylon. From Hong Kong. (laughs) They're they're brushable, washable, and fireproof. (laughs) And I feel like we've had this joke about wigs before. Well,
0: because everyone back then used to smoke and everyone had lots of hairspray. So wigs, and of course you can't feel it because it's a wig. So wigs would catch on fire. So, you know.
1: It's craziness. That's true, yeah. (laughs) Mr. Spooner brings over the Faye Dunaway model for Mrs. Slocum to try on. Very chic. Don't the years just melt away? And they don't, right? I
0: wanted Captain Peacock to say a remarkable garment indeed, but that was another episode. (laughs) See, I'm getting
1: confused. Uh, It turns out the customer is going to a fancy dress stag party and wants to look absolutely hilarious. Mm. Do I look absolutely hilarious? It's not for me to say. I love
0: how, like, this. it's interesting. I thought about this with mrs slocum you know she's you know uh bon vivant you might say or the the french might say but um, well
1: when she's with mrs axelby she's yeah but
0: it's interesting anytime cross-dressing or gender norms kind of get tweaked a bit even for just an innocent thing oh it's a fancy dress stag party um She gets really harsh, doesn't she? Like, it's not for me to say, sir. Oh, we don't do a lot of that in this department. You know, she gets a little bit judgmental, which is kind of interesting. Which, you know, might have fit that 1950s, 60s kind of milieu. Mm. Do you like me saying milieu?
1: I love the word milieu. Milieu. Um, I'm going to be controversial and have a hot take for a minute. Uh Oh, here we go. Uh, The the word milieu always reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time, which unfortunately has a transphobic plot in it. Uh, and I'll say the line in context and I'm wondering if you can guess it. I think I've talked about it on the Mm. show before. I don't believe we quite established Celeste in the soup kitchen milieu. I I
0: got nothing. I don't know. No, nothing.
1: It's from Soap Dish, starring uh, Sally Field and Calvin Klein and Robert Downey Jr. Billy Crystal. and No Billy Crystal, uh, Elizabeth Shue, Kathy Najimy, Catherine Mary, uh, Catherine Moriarty. It's veritable who's who of early 90s. Who was
0: the lighting director for that one? I don't and know. And what was its like gross profits? Come on, Jeff. Come on.
1: Funny hysterically movie about a show within a show. Unfortunately, it's got a transphobic, uh, slightly transphobic uh, C plot line, and uh, the trans character ends up being like one of the punchlines uh, in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah, that yeah. does happen, sadly.
1: No. Anyway, uh, the customer is still looking for opinion if he looks absolutely hysterical. And uh, Mr. Humphreys is walking by carrying something. He says, oh, can you do something for me? Wearing the wig horribly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mr. Humphreys says, I think I'm too late. And just walks away.
0: And I love that growing up watching little one-liners, zingers like that, I think I'm too late. I don't know exactly what that means, but the fact that he's so dismissive, can you do something for me? I I assume that's like a sexual thing.
1: So, no, I I think the idea, I think the interpretation of the joke is, can you help, you know, either put me up in drag or help me live this cross-dressing life or help me transition? To which Mr. Humphreys takes a look with him on the wig. He doesn't look good and says, pass.
0: (laughs) I see. Right. But it, it felt like a, there's, there are many times in, this, in the episodes of the series where he will say something like that. Or almost like that joke about the soup did, the, 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 the dessert right. didn't work, or the drink didn't work, but the soup did. Right. I don't really know. Of course, we know what that means now because we talked about it on the episode. But it's one of right. those many little Humphreys-isms that I'm like, I don't know what it means, but they're all laughing. So obviously, I think it's funny because <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. This is...
1: This is not a sex joke, but it, it's not a... Yeah, it's a sexual orientation joke. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Okay. So the phone rings for Mr. Humphreys with a bit of gossip. Uh, Mr. Jacoby of accounts beat Mrs. Cook and it took an hour. Oh, table tennis. <laughs> oh, and
0: table tennis. Oh, okay.
1: Great, great misdirecting, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the phone has been ringing off the hook all day and Captain Peacock is annoyed with it. So it rings again he picks up and tells the person off, and it turns out it's old Mister Grace. Oh, do you know who this is? Well, thank heaven for that. Oh, young Mister, old Mister Grace.
0: Right. Hello. Yes, I'm so sorry. You must have been caught through a, a, another department. You know, I love how right. they can always use that as a as a gag for something on the TV right. uh, telephone.
1: Blame blame it on um oh not Ivy. What's the? Beryl? Name it on Beryl. The, the, the phone operator. operator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, old Mr. Grace has some gossip for Mr. Humphries as well. We hear it one-sided on the other end of the conversation. Oh, you took her out of the water and had a good look at her bottom? <laughs> oh, you're talking about your boat that you're going to spend 50,000 pounds to remodel. That's
0: so bad.
1: The the whole, the staff is so upset about this because they he can't fork over the 600-pound bonus. Yes. That was going to be split between everybody.
0: Yep.
1: Um, but he's ready to spend 50,000 pounds on his boat. So they've got to figure out a way, you know, Mr. Humphreys has a flash, he's got an idea, that he's going to suggest a beauty contest, which was one of the things that Rumble did say earlier. And he
0: has this newfound power as editor of the Staff Magazine.
1: Exactly. And he's going to say that there's going to be a 600-pound prize, and the way that he's going to get old Mr. Grace to cough up the money is say that the second part of the prize is a holiday on his boat. And everyone thinks that Miss Brahms is sure to win because she's the prettiest, uh, best-dressed girl in the store. And
0: what's more, they're going to prostitute her because they know that old Mr. Grace is going to try to molest her on his boat for five days. They're just not going to tell her that so that they all can get 100 quid each.
1: Right. Not even give her the lion's share because she's doing the the dirty work, but just to get this back, yeah.
0: What a light-hearted family comedy this show is.
1: <laughs> Rumbold can't attend the Holiday Girl competition uh, because he's got lots of paperwork to do for his very important, <laughs> yes. serious job. Yes. Uh, but once he hears what Miss Brahms is planning on wearing, he decides to attend. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? Um, Brahms refuses once she finds out what the second part of the prize is. Five minutes in his Rolls Royce was enough. So... Good for her for standing her ground.
0: Exactly, brand. yeah. I don't know. It, it's the, this 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 episode has so much misogyny and like belittling of women and you know, I there's especially think of Benny Hill of like a pretty woman yep. and like a goofy guy being chased, chasing the pretty women with that that yep. that that song.
1: Um that Burke back music. Um yeah.
0: y- yakety Slacks, is that what it's called? Yep. Yep. Um, I should have just said Yackety Slacks instead of try to sing it. Um, yeah, so much of comedy in this era, and the '80s and probably '90s too, um, is about like, oh, isn't it funny? Women being chased by men, and that's they don't actually show you know the abuse, but they show everything up to it, and somehow like even like Fred Flintstone. I know this might be a stretch, but, like, you know, I imagine Wilma Flintstone will take the Stone Age equivalent of a um, rolling pin and, like, bop it on the head, and then he'll behave mm-hmm. or something.
1: Well, I mean, even, even, the, even the, the notion of a workplace beauty contest yeah. is so foreign to us today. But this had to go on and just be very commonplace. Well,
0: that's like Miss Subway's. They used to have a beauty contest for women in the... I remember Fran Drescher, one of my favorite actresses, um, because I love the nanny. Um, She was Miss Subway's 1970-whatever, you know. Mm. I don't think they have them anymore, but, you know, they still have Miss America. They still have Miss World. Things have changed, but, you know... We're kind of wallowing in it right now, 1981, before things like that sort of naturally had attrition and, you know, thankfully went away.
1: And just in case you think that this doesn't go the other way, um, I know the fire department of New York, the FDNY, they put out a beefcake calendar every year. You know, I, I, I think that the money ends up going to charity for it, but it's still you know, promotion of um, sexual objectification in the workplace.
0: You know, I never really thought about that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that is the workplace kind of thing. Yeah. But maybe I'm being very myopic because, well, it's a hunky man and I like hunky man. So, <laughs> yeah. What's good for the goose, you know, Mr. Jeff?
1: A sauce for the gander, right? <clears throat> so... Uh, after Miss Brahms refuses, Missus Slocum volunteers herself to represent the department. You would think she was the original Katniss Dean, uh, <laughs> saying that she's going to take, you know, she's going to do a, a great service for everyone. Right? She was what well, she's hoist.
0: Um, she's being hoisted upon her own Picard. placard.
1: Placard. <laughs> Petard. P- Petard. Yeah. She is hoisting her own petard. What did she say? Oh, well,
0: I guess I'll have to do it for the department. And she actually raises her hand, you know. So cute.
1: So Mr. Grossman, Captain Peacock, and Mr. Humphreys are resigned to the fact that they're not going to win until Captain Peacock remembers that Mr. Humphreys had dressed up as Scarlett O'Hara in the staff production of Gone with the Wind. Oh, my God. So they decide that they're going to make him dress up and drag as a last ditch. Effort. And of
0: course, he doesn't want to. He's like, "I'm going to call he the does police." Doesn't want to. How dare you! Right. But somehow he, you know, manages to be convinced.
1: So Mr. Spooner drags him away, and I guess he's the one who's going to like put on his makeup. Yeah, because and like, he
0: knows how to put people. He knows how to beat a face, right? And tuck and all of that.
1: So young old Mr. Grace comes down to judge the competition. He asks uh, Mr. Rumbold, what special qualities they're looking for, and he reminds him corsets, suspenders, and black stockings. He nearly faints and settles down into the chair, uh-huh. right? Mr. Harmon is going to help Captain Peacock MC by announcing the contestants. Turns out that most of the other contestants dropped out. Three went home and one went to first aid <laughs> when they found out about the second half yeah, so of the Yeah, so not a
0: popular prize.
1: Yeah. So our contestants come out. The first is Miss Bathroom Fittings, and she is Miss Hepburn from Ilford. Her measurements are 32, 24, 36, and her ambition is to be kind to animals and help old people.
0: So I love that she's wearing a purple muumuu slash, like, cover-up.
1: Well, I mean, the idea is it's a holiday gore competition, so what you would wear on the holiday... That you end up taking with old Mr. Griggs.
0: Yeah, they did mention that's a good point. They did mention that, oh, we can't have a beauty contest. Like Miss Miss Brahms would not sign up for that, but she, they would do a holiday girl. So it's interesting how maybe back then they realized a beauty contest was a little harsh, but just call it a holiday, like a vacation girl. Right. Oh, and that's that's fine. We'll and just wear changes little bikinis
1: everything, and things. Right.
0: Yeah, interesting how they kind of knew back then it was a little kind of shady to do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Second is Miss Haberdashery. Uh, She is Miss Coleman from Hatfield. She is 26, 33, 22, 34, to which Captain Peacock is surprised. Well, the first one is her age.
0: (laughs) And it's weird back then, um, especially like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, like you hear it in movies. Women would... And, of course, I know this is like a, a, um, a beauty, beauty pageant. So yeah. you would go, like, if you watch an old footage of, like, 1950s beauty pageant contestants, they would give their, their measurements, like their bust and their waist and their hips. And it's like, oh, okay, good. All right. Well, that number's worse than the other one. So, therefore, you're less beautiful. It's amazing. They were literally being measured up, right? Yeah. Crazy.
1: Well, we've even seen like when any of the secretaries have come to apply, exactly. one of the questions they get asked is their measurements, right? Right. Uh, and Miss Coleman's ambition is to travel and to help old people. So we get a little bit of her, you know, gag here about the same. Everyone has the, all the contestants are the same. Mm. Uh, next is Miss Novelty Candles, <sighs> played by the infamous Miss Hurst. Miss Hurst. Who is not wearing a holiday girl. Well, if her holiday is not like, Barcelona or something. a Benidorm wearing, or something. She, she's wearing this black corset, a flowery skirt, and a flower in her hair. Definitely trying to give off some kind of Spanish vibes, yeah. right? Uh, Captain Peacock recites her uh, measurements. From memory. Because, from memory. She's 40, 26, 38, and she's from Olympia. And her ambition is to help people.
0: And I wonder when he said, and she's from Olympia. And he kind of looked her up and down. And she was quite tall and i wonder if i mean are there greek like very tall greek women and that's why there's not an o- olympia I... whales i don't believe <laughs> or no, scholar well, no
1: no no olympia olympia is a neighborhood in in west london uh, uh, near kensington not near kensington palace but the neighborhood, the neighborhood of kensington yeah. if you could if you picture the tube map right you know the district line in green you know, like there's that one little offshoot before it splits uh, and joins the Piccadilly line? Uh, well, like sometimes, yes. uh huh. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it goes to Olympia instead of going south to Wimbledon. That's, that's where that is.
0: Um, yeah. a pop quiz What's three stations away from the nearest one going to Olympia in the western direction?
1: I uh, couldn't tell you You
0: could say anything I
1: was, Oh that's really good, good
0: <laughs> job. Um, But I wonder if like Olympians Well Olympians Olymp- People from Olympia, Greece are tall Because she was quite tall I don't know
1: Oh may- maybe that's what that joke was That it's a reference to Greece I don't know <laughs> um, British fans please call into the Peacock Hotline And let us know Help us solve this conundrum about What's so special about the neighborhood of L- Olympia Or what the reference is um, fourth is Miss Lady's Intimate Apparel <laughs> our, featuring our Mrs. Slocum <laughs> and Mr. Harmon puts on the music from The Stripper da,
0: right? da, so da, da, she da, saunters da, da. in
1: not even though mm, no, she's mm, wearing this mm. Kelly Green corset
0: she looks like she's from like 1880s western like
1: um, right from the saloon, from the right? saloon she's like this Kitty from the saloon right. <laughs> and, so the MC socks out to Peacock says, "Would you please tell us your name and what planet you come from?" <laughs> <laughs> because he's not used to seeing her like dressed up. I mean, this is this. okay.
0: Imagine this. So let's break it down. So this is Mrs. Slocum, the the senior sales assistant who right. who loves being uh, very proper and how many frills have you got, Miss Brahms? You know, and then suddenly she's wearing like lingerie right but the way she's doing bright it
1: right kelly green and kelly green like neon head.
0: green in front of her co-workers but <laughs> you know she kind of has a little wild side because she really wanted to because she says i'll have to sacrifice myself for the department right. for the sake of the department so she really was getting her kicks but she didn't want anyone to know
1: <laughs> that's right oh god
0: So this is a cool episode because there's so many costumes. Basically, the writers at this point, okay, how do we get Mr. Humphreys to be entered into the show in a cool way? And how many costumes can we legitimately have an excuse to put these people in? That's really what the show is now.
1: Yeah. Uh, She gives her (laughs) measurements as 36, 23, 36, shut your cake hole. (laughs) Because obviously those are not her measurements. Oh, boy. And her ambition is to travel and help old people on boats. On boats
0: <laughs> as she stares at old Mr. Grace. Yeah. Because she wants to win.
1: Now, all of the four contestants came out from the ladies' fitting room. Mm. But our fifth contestant emerges from the gents <laughs> up the stairs. Because we obviously need a little bit more runway for him to like walk down. And it's a grander entrance.
0: And right. he couldn't be in the ladies because he's really not a lady.
1: Right. It's Miss Do It Yourself uh, as Mr. Humphrey. who's he's wearing this white bathing suit with flowers, and it, it it's hysterical. He gets a second applause break because everyone is laughing hysterically. He's not even in character; he's protesting the entire time. Yeah, right. And <laughs> Captain Peacock, as the MC, who's trying to you know go along with the charade, asks for his card with his measurements. And so he says, where are your particulars? And Mr. Humphreys goes, I tremble to think.
0: <laughs> That's duct tape, people. Just Google that. And I love that um, someone says, where, where are you from? And then Spooner says, Bristol City. Now, I knew what that meant because of, I'm, I'm listening to our show. Bristol City is Cockney rhyming slang for titty.
1: There you go. Yay. Got it in three. <laughs>
0: Okay. And um, I have to comment, also. So, so in your mind's eye, unanimous, picture. If you're driving, don't do it, but if you're sitting, close your eyes, picture um, Wilberforce Clayboard Humphreys wearing a one-piece sequined bathing costume with a strategic, like, was it red roses with yep. green green uh, leaves and a wig, like, um, from, I, it's probably that same novelty wig, right?
1: It probably is one of the fun wigs, You're or the fun right? It was a fun wigs,
0: yeah. And um, he has this big, crazy, like 1940s hat on. He he actually looks like he's like a 1940s femme fatale, doesn't he? Because he had these, like, yeah, cat, that these cat glasses. Yeah. Um, and, like, very pointed lipstick um, and, like, a very 40s kind of look. It's pretty fabulous. But we we've, we've <laughs> seen, and of course, uh, I'll let you finish, but um, we've seen the outcome of the next minute of the show previously on another episode. But what what happens after this? That's true.
1: That's true. On this one, um, Old Mr. Grace picks Mr., picks uh, Miss Do It Yourself right of away. Of course. Because in her envelope with her particulars was a key, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a signal to Old Mr. Grace that she's ready for anything, right? <laughs> ay, 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 so he just said, uh, he stopped the contest, give her the money, and get her on deck by 5.30. Oh, that's and funny. And once Mr. Humphreys found out that there was a key in the envelope, he runs away and old Mr. Grace is chasing him like he chases all of the other women in the store. And that is our episode.
0: So the other scene that where this almost the same thing happened with, with young Mr. Grace was the scene where um, Mr. Humphreys was selling a... A uh, mink coat or a fur coat the fur
1: coat. Right. and
0: isn't the n- notice the heels notice the 12 remember and the the woman's like i just can't decide i'll take it right And she had the hat and somehow mr young mr grace like
1: comes down to check on how everyone's selling
0: yeah and then suddenly like they're ongoing oh no that's right because his mother was just having a hot pot and he said well i'll go out to dinner with you because he, he <laughs> you know, oh, Mr. Young Mr. Grace was hitting on Mr. Humphreys, but he thought he was a girl. So the, the, the brothers Grace love Mr. Humphreys in drag. So it's a very interesting
1: little factoid there. Like one brother does the other. Um, <laughs> despite all of the misogyny in this episode, I think this is the funniest episode so far of Series 8. I mean, the bar is pretty low to begin <laughs> with. Let's just say that. Oh, um, um, yeah. It's... But I think that we got i think we got a lot of good sight gags that are good-natured and last the test of time.
0: Any way that they can get Mr. Humphreys in the, into, into the office in a weird way is cool. Yeah. Um, we also had him in drag. So do you know off the top of your head how many times Mr.
1: Humphreys has been in drag? Well, let's see. Um, have we seen him dressed as his own mother yet yes in the this is your life episode <gasps> oh that's right right so there was that time there was the you know dressing up in the mink there was this surely it's and not just three no well uh, no i feel like we've had one more so far i can't recall the occasion um these are these are facts that we movie? need to
0: have at our the tip uh, no. tip at our fingertips at all times. Was Jeff.
1: he in drag in the movie?
0: Oh, oh, oh! Uh, uh, um, yes, wasn't he?
1: <laughs> I don't remember. <gasps> this th- I, this is probably not the last time. Oh no, we no, can no, say, no! We could say that. I think we get at least one more in uh, before the series closes.
0: I love that we had um, Long Island Runconkama's famous drag queen like our Facebook page. The The day that we choose to record the episode where we're like diving into drag, maybe we're just like we're just like super thinking about drag because kismet. It's kismet. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, Next week we next week we get another. I think next week we get what is the funniest episode of all of series eight. I mean, there's only six, and as I said, it's a low bar to (laughs) begin with. It's sit out. So repeat after me. Grace Brothers, unfair, unfair to sales to sales persons. persons. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that's a good one. Uh, if yeah. you folks want to get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you can do it. You can search for us. We'll come right up. Twitter is does suit madam, and hello to all the Twitter people. We see you. Um, you can send us an email to w- that does suit madam, with an e. Wait, hold on. There it is, uh, at gmail.com, or call the Peacock Hotline at six six two Peacock. That's 662-732-2625. And if you're not in the United States and you want to send us a quick little message, record a message on your smartphone audio recorder, memo recorder, and email it to us. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, Mr. Jeff, as always, you've all done very well.
1: Bye, unanimous. Bye. Bye. That does suit, Madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. The Queen and her court must make themselves available to honor all sponsor requests.